Good morning again. Uh, this morning we're continuing our teaching series looking uh, that we're calling Cloud of Witnesses. Where we're looking at stories of people in the scriptures, sometimes overlooked, uh, but what that might teach us about how to live in the kingdom of God, how to live a life faithful all the way to the end of our life, that we might be able to live faithfully through all the ups and downs of our life. And we're trying to glean some practical wisdom from these stories of old. The, the phrase cloud of witnesses comes from the book of Hebrews, where the writer of Hebrews says, since we, have, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let's run with perseverance the race that's marked out for us. This life of faith, we can live in faithful obedience when we learn that we have brothers and sisters that have gone before us, that we have this great cloud of witnesses. And we can learn from them some practical things about how we can live faithfully, not just on Sundays, not just for a small season, but for the, our whole life, that we can learn to live faithfully for the whole way. And while we're all at various stages of our faith journey, we can learn from those who have gone before us, how we can learn to live beautifully and good in all of our life. And in these, last, in these next few weeks, we're going to look practically at some wisdom, some pieces of wisdom that we can glean and put into our own life. Last week, if you were here, do you remember the story of Barnabas and, and how he was an encourager and how being encouraged by other people, having them speak into our life can be transformative for us. And how when we speak life into someone else and we encourage them in their life with God, that one of the ingredients to a life well lived is by having someone speak encouraging things to us and that we may encourage them in their walk with Jesus. Well, this morning we're going to look at the role or the way in which fellowship or connection, community within the body of Christ can really play a, a great role in our life of faith. That it helps us to remain faithful when we are connected in the fellowship. Hardwired into the very creation of our life is to be connected with brothers and sisters. We live our best life. When we're in right relationship with God and when we're in right relationship with others. And when we miss out on one or both of those aspects of our life, we're not living the fullness of life that we've been created to live. So this morning I want to take a look at a story in the Newer Testament book of Acts, Acts chapter 8. So if you have a Bible with you or an app or something, you may want to turn there. We're going to read a, the whole story and then we're going to kind of break it down a little bit. But this morning it shows the strength that comes from a, in a life of faith that comes from fellowship or connection or community with brothers and sisters, one with each other. And how we might practically live a life that is long of faithful obedience because of our connectedness in community. And what steps we need to take in order to have a strong connection and fellowship for our life with Jesus. So again, Acts chapter 8 is our story. And then I'm going to read the whole story. Uh, and then we're going to kind of dive into it a little bit about what are these practical things we can see that we can implement into our life and we see a life of faith. So Acts chapter 8 starts in verse 26. An angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, 
that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Candake, which means the queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to the chariot and stay near it. Philip ran to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shear is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants, for his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. And as they traveled along the road, they came to some water. The eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? He gave orders to, the, to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. Suddenly, or when they came out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. And the eunuch did not see him again, but, but went away on his way rejoicing. There's this relational connection that Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch have on the roadside and in his chariot. And that relationship, that connection one to another was a catalyst that changed the direction of the Ethiopian eunuch's life radically changes his life because there's a relational connection supernaturally inspired by the Spirit of God that connects, connects the two of them. And the Ethiopian eunuch radically changes his life and gives his life to Jesus as demonstrated by baptism. So in this interaction, this time, this little story, not only do you see the heart of God who's welcome to invite any and all who would come to follow him, not just one select group, but any and all would come to see him and to worship him as the one true living God. But you also see the importance of fellowship or connection or community and the role that it plays in our transformation. Fellowship is essential in a practice to become mature in Christ. Fellowship is an essential practice in our maturing life with Christ. And so this morning I want to look at the eunuch's example of connection, of desiring connection. Oftentimes the story in the churches are, are talked about and looked at Philip's example about evangelizing and sharing their faith with other people and being willing to be going over to them and explaining the scriptures. And all that is true and good. But this morning, I want to look at it from the eunuch's perspective. Because that relationship, that willingness to have a relationship was a profound spiritual encounter for both the eunuch and Philip. And there are at least three different movements or connections towards community that the eunuch displays that are pieces of wisdom that we can glean in our own life, that we can take intentional steps to strengthen our life with God. There's at least three that I want to 
pay attention to and invite you to consider where might you need to take a step intentionally to see a life of faith that is good and pleasing for your whole life. That the eunuch is our example here. And the first step or the first movement, he moves towards community and he moves in close proximity. The eunuch is willing to be in close proximity. And there's two ways that you see proximity playing out in the eunuch's story. And the first one is he wants to be in physical proximity, physical closeness to where worship was happening. We're told in the scriptures that this eunuch had gone to Jerusalem for worship. He had gone to Jerusalem, made the journey, made the travel to come to worship. And this is no small endeavor. You need to realize this was not just a go across the street and walk into the temple that was right next to his house. He was an Ethiopian eunuch, and some scholars would say, depending on where he traveled from Ethiopia, it could have been as much as a five-month journey to go from his house to Jerusalem for worship. Five months, one way, to come for worship. This is a man who is deeply desiring to be around worship, be where worship was happening. He made the long trek to come for worship. We don't know why or how he had come to know God, how he had come to know Yahweh and want to desire to be around his worship. We don't know all those things. What we do know is that he was willing and took the long trek to be close, in close proximity. If I could just be around where worship was happening, there's a desire for proximity And that proximity can be a catalyst for our own spiritual growth. Physical proximity. But we also know that because of his condition, because he was a eunuch, he would have been excluded from temple worship. He would have not been able to enter into the temple based on his condition, and yet that didn't deter him. He wouldn't have full access. He wouldn't be able to come in, but he still wanted to be physically close to where it was happening, physically near where it was. His desire to be close, to be in close proximity, was in part one of the reasons for this spiritual encounter that he has. And so while it is absolutely true that you can encounter God's grace and you can experience the presence of God wherever you are in your everyday life, there is something very powerful that happens when we are in close proximity with other people who are hungry for God, with others who are hungry. There's a synergy that happens when you gather around in close proximity where we don't stay off at a distance, but we draw near. So I want us to see in the eunuch's story is that if we want to live a life that's persevering in faith, that's strong, that continues to go, then we can't underestimate the power that comes from being in close proximity with others who are hungry for God too. To be close to them, to draw near to them. But there's a second way in which proximity works out for the eunuch. For not only does he travel to be around where worship is happening, but he invites proximity, invites closeness with conversation with Philip. He invites a a close conversation. 
He doesn't come to worship and then leave, but he invites Philip up into his chariot. Come sit with me and let's discuss. Let's have a, a conversation, a meaningful conversation around Scripture, around the meaning of life. Not only does he show up, but he invites conversation. He invites meaningful, deep conversation. I'm encouraged every weekend when I come and I gather with you. And I see your face and I hear your voice and I shake your hand. All of this for the purposes of worshiping God. I'm encouraged every weekend when we gather together to see some. There's just something tangible in the room that strengthens my walk when I leave from here. For sure. But it's also in the conversations I have with you. Over coffee or in a life group. In a book club that we've done over the years. I've had numerous conversations, meaningful conversations with many of you over matters of faith and how to be faithful to God. We have hard questions that we try to tackle together. And I leave every one of those conversations with more determination than ever that this life of faith is possible. And I can walk this journey of faith because there are others with us that are wrestling through these questions and these conversations is faith strengthening to me. It's not just your presence, as strengthening as that is. It's in conversation. It's in meaningful conversation where I not only move in proximity to be near you, but I move in proximity to be in near good conversation with you. The eunuch invites the Philip to step up into the chariot and let's talk about this. Let's, let's engage a little bit. Which leads me actually to the second thing that the eunuch models for us, and that is risky vulnerability. Risky vulnerability. If one of the ingredients to a life of good fellowship that's going to help encourage my life of faith is proximity, a second ingredient has to be risky vulnerability. Risky vulnerability. Philip overhears the eunuch in his chariot reading the, uh, the book of Isaiah. And so Philip asks him, do, do you understand what you're reading? Do you understand what it is that you're reading? And the eunuch responds, how can I? How could I ever understand unless someone would uh, open my eyes or, or explain it to me? And you have to remember, the eunuch is, a, is an important official in Ethiopia. He's got status and reputation. He's being given charge over the entire treasury. And yet with all that status and reputation, the importance of his, of his place, he steps down and he humbly admits... I, I don't know. I don't know. I need help knowing and understanding. That kind of vulnerability to acknowledge your shortcomings and where I don't know, that can be a challenge for many of us. We don't like to look incapable. We don't like to admit that we aren't in control all the time. We like to have the appearance of capabilities and control at all times, that we know everything. But here's what you need to know from the eunuch's example and from my, my life. That a lack of vulnerability, a lack of willingness to acknowledge our shortcomings can become a real barrier in our life with God. Can become a real barrier, a wall between my life and God's life. My lack of vulnerability. Until we are willing to admit that we don't know. Or we're not in control. 
or that we need help. Until we're willing to invite another brother or sister into our story to hear their perspective, submit to their voice, to help us see God in our life and direction of how we are to go, then our enjoyment of our life will be limited. And we really won't experience the depth of community that can be transformative. Vulnerability with our life with God, for sure. We have to acknowledge that we need Jesus. We need a Savior, for sure. But vulnerability in the life, in the fellowship, in community, is also needed. Is also needed. And when we give vulnerability, and it's received with grace and love and mercy, it's a real gift. No condemnation when people receive that. It's a real gift. For years, this has been a challenge for me. Because to be vulnerable and to invite someone in to share with them that my lack of understanding or my lack of knowledge or lack of control, that touched into a deep-seated fear of mine that others would think less of me because I've been on a performance track my entire life proving to everybody how good I am and how well I can perform for everybody else. And to show off that I'm not as good as I want you to think I am, that touches a deep-seated fear in me and so I would hide. And I'd pretend, and I would just move on with it. And it was only until I recognized, and I'm beginning to recognize, that the lack of vulnerability between me and brothers and sisters has become a wedge, not only between my life in the fellowship, but even my life with God. Even my life with God. And it's not until I humbly recognize that I don't have all the answers and I don't have control all the time, and that I sometimes need help, and I need others' perspectives. It wasn't until I was willing to acknowledge those with a brother or sister that my life with God really took off. Because until then, there was a wedge because of my lack of vulnerability. Tim Keller who was a Presbyterian pastor and an author, and he wrote a book on marriage called The Meaning of of marriage, And while this is about marriage, he's writing about marriage, it relates to community and fellowship in general as well. He writes this, To be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. To be known and not loved is our greatest fear. But to be fully known and truly loved is, well, a lot like being loved by God. It is what we need more than anything. It liberates us from pretense, humbles us out of our self-righteousness, and fortifies us for any difficult life or any difficulty life can throw at us. To be vulnerable with a brother and sister and to be received and loved, to be fully known in the community and to be loved at the same time is what we need more than anything else. It will liberate us from all pretense. It will humble us and it will fortify us for any difficulty life can throw at us. It's not only to be in close proximity. It's not only to engage in meaningful conversations. It's risking vulnerability with a trusted brother and sister who can really know us and who can give us the gift of being really loved. If you want to live a life of perseverance, it will take all of that, all of these ingredients to practically 
walk towards a life of faithful obedience. But there's a third ingredient or a third movement that you see in the eunuch's example. It's worth considering, and that is the importance of worship. Worship. This transformational connection between Philip and the eunuch isn't just because of their common interest or their common background. It isn't even because they risked vulnerability. It's because they centered their connection on Jesus. They centered their connection on, on worship of Jesus to live a life of righteousness. So I can draw close to others. I can engage in meaningful conversation. I can even be vulnerable, but I do that in order to see God more clearly in my life to experience the grace and mercy of God in my life and to experience that in your life. The Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch studied the scriptures together. They were attentive to the Holy Spirit's movement together. They prayed together. He gets baptized together. This is all aspects of worship, of learning to love the Lord my God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. They worshiped together. And in the scriptures, they find the revealed word of God that leads them, leads them to a heavenly life and experience of grace right now. That community that risked vulnerability is centered on worship of God. And that's what strengthens their life of faith. It's not because of their common affinity. It's not because of their things that they, they want to talk about. It's because they centered on a life with God. Our highest calling is to love the Lord our God with our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And Christian fellowship is centered on that, learning to love God with everything. Not simply the superficial things, but centered on Jesus. That is what bonds us together in the body of Christ. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a German pastor who stood up against the Nazi regime in Germany, and we're going to read his book in a few little bit here uh, in our next book club. So if you're interested in these book clubs I do from time to time, this is the next one. It's a book called Life Together. It's about community. It's about fellowship. It's about how to live in this life together. And he writes this in that book, Life Together. He says, we gather and create community, not out of love for one another, but for the love for Christ's sake. Not out of just love for brothers here, but for Christ's sake we love, we bring community together. We gather and it equips us to run a race with perseverance, not because of our affinity, not because of anything else, but because of our love for Christ, because He bonds us together. Worship and studying of Scripture and, and listening to, to God's Word taught and all of that bonds us, binds us together in a community of faith. And it all helps us to lead a life of faithfulness for the long haul. So what we see in this interaction between Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch was this transformational effect of fellowship and Christian community that is centered on Jesus, centered on a life transformed by Jesus' grace. Life with God is not just about being in close proximity. It's not just about being vulnerable. It's not just about having conversations. It's inviting the Holy Spirit to work in and through us. And that, that kind of connection, well, that would be a great catalyst for a long life of, fellow, of faithfulness to God's ways. So wherever you are in your life with God, 
I pray that you would take a step towards connection, towards fellowship, towards community, to not stay isolated or walled off because of a lack of vulnerability, to not stay isolated or walled off because you're unwilling to kind of surrender your own will to the will of God, but to take a step towards community, towards faithful obedience. Maybe it's in a life group. Maybe it's in a Sunday group. Maybe it's in the book club that I facilitate a little bit. Maybe it's in the formation retreat. Take a step towards fellowship and engagement in community. Because that kind of wisdom we see from the Ethiopian eunuch just might be the catalyst to help us live a life persevering in faith through all of life's ups and downs hardwired into the very fabric of how you have been made is the need for fellowship and community. Without it, our life with God is limited at best and thwarted at worst. But let me pray for us. Jesus, we recognize you in this place and we're grateful for the many stories of people who have traveled before us. I pray that we would take steps in recognizing our need for connection and fellowship, that we would risk vulnerability, meaningful conversation, and being in close proximity, all for your sake and not ours. It's in your name we pray. Amen.